Welcome to Two Knicks Talk Sports and our first initial podcast, uh, first of many to come. I'm Nick Minocchio, here with Nick St. Lawrence. We're going to be bringing you our version of a podcast revolving around fantasy sports, the NFL, with some gambling mixed in. We wanted our podcast to sound like our typical sports conversations, so that's what this is, except we're going to have an agenda and some topics in front of us. I'm going to breeze through some introductions from myself and Nick here and kind of jump into, you know, some inspiration on our podcast and what we what we plan to cover. So quickly introducing ourselves, um, I'm Nick Minocchio, Rhode Island born and bred, uh, New England sports fan, avid golfer, uh, full-time dad, part-time gambler, pretty horrible one at that. Um, been playing fantasy for... Uh, about 16, 17 years now at this point. Uh, fantasy baseball, fantasy football, um, pretty much the main two that I play. Um, Gambling-wise, you know, your typical, normal, once a week, two times a week type of gambler. Some NBA, some MLB, some NFL mixed in. You know, overall, not great at any of it, but love to talk about it and have the conversation. Um, Nick? How we doing? Good, man. Happy to be here. My name's Nicholas St. Lawrence. Uh, again, full homer, Patriots, Celtics, Red Sox, Bruins. Huge PC Fryer fan. Season tickets. Can't wait for the season to start. Uh, also been playing fantasy football for a whole adult life, I feel like. It's been a long time coming. Uh, can't wait to talk sports, you know, uh, not just with you at the bar uh, in person, but now on podcasts. Um, not as much of a gambler, uh, but when I do, I'm pretty bad at it. Uh, but I do love sports. So <laughs> let's uh, let's jump right into it. So we wanted to cover our initial inspiration for starting the podcast. Um, I feel like since the pandemic, this has probably been a popular uh, thing to do, was everyone to kind of get their words and um, out on video, out on tape in some capacity. Uh, we wanted to do the same a little later in the game at this point, but our inspiration, again, was to just kind of go through our typical sports conversations and what we talk about over the phone, in person. Um, we do this every week without recording it, so we figured let's get our own platform where we could get some conversations out there and uh, and see where it goes. You know, a little bit of therapy in our lives and in in sports reasons to go through that way. Um, Our release schedule is going to be Wednesdays. So we'll try to work with the NFL schedule and uh, have that out before the Thursday's games. But typical release schedule should be Wednesdays. Um, We'll try to get those out in the morning. And um, we're going to stick with audio podcasts for right now. You might have some videos uh, pending on YouTube, you know, pending some video quality equipment coming through and, uh, you know, a room to, to record that in. But as for right now, we're going to stick with audio. Um, and again, the topics that we're going to cover, NFL, um, you know, maybe some NBA once it comes around. Uh, so fantasy sports in general, a little bit of gambling. You know, we're both very, very big PC and, and Patriots fans, so we'll be covering those guys as well. Um and pretty much why we think everyone should should listen in and what you'll get out of it is, you know, just some typical Homer coverage of New England sports and uh, some average fantasy advice. Well said. Well said. Can't wait to 
to get into it, and uh, we'll talk about the Patriots later on in this podcast and how well they did and what we feel about uh, where they stand now and their future moving forward. Great, great start to uh, to the season. It's not over yet, but it might be. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna jump right into um, just some fantasy. So Nick and I play in a home league, and our home league is probably a little bit different than your home league. So we have a ten-man league that we have played for uh, 10, 12 years now, something like that. At this point, uh, a bunch of our friends are in it. Um, your typical online draft, we get together at uh, each other's house, draft once a year, and then we also do a banquet at the end of the year. So we typically schedule it ahead of time. Um, it, it's basically a guy's night out that we schedule ahead of time with the whole fantasy group. Uh, it's fun. We have a good time. It's a reason to, to get out and everyone gets away from the kids and the wife for a night. Um, dinner. Last year, we went to the PC game when they clinched the Big East. It was um, it was cool. It was exciting. So our scoring's a little bit different as well. Um, it's PPR. We're half point per rush and a half point per completion. So our scores, when we talk about them, whether it be what, what's to be uh, what's to come for the upcoming week or the previous week, what our team scored or what players scored, uh, they might be a little higher than, than you used to because of the half point per rush and the half point per completion. So quarterbacks score a lot more points than they typically would in a normal league. Running backs are um, drafted very, very, very early in the draft um, this year without looking at our draft. I would say the first two rounds were probably... 15, 14, 15 running backs in the first two rounds. So they go really early and often, just the way that the scoring is. Um, so that's our home league. Uh, it's competitive to <laughs> to a point. Uh, some of the guys in our league are a little less competitive than others, but everyone tries their hardest. Shout out, Lima. And um, how'd you do this week, Nick? Uh, you know what? Uh not to brag or boast, but I had a very good week. My guys uh, hit, but again, it's week one. I try not to put too much emphasis on the opening week because um, people live in the present, unfortunately, uh, but things could change drastically come week two. Uh, but I had a con- the combo everyone's been talking about this offseason and Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown, uh, which was a dynamic duo on Sunday. Um, Jalen Hurts, you know, in our league scored 43 points uh, and A.J. Brown went off. He had 10 receptions for 155 yards, did not get in the end zone, uh, but he had an amazing week, 33.5 points in our league. So that combination was almost 100 points uh, combined. So I'll take it. And then I took a, a dart on Saquon Barkley in the second round of our draft, and uh, he was the leading runner back for the week at 50.4 points it looked amazing crazy play at the end of that game to win it uh, 164 yards um on 18 rushes and a rushing touchdown i believe he had a couple of receptions as well um but overall pretty good week i had uh kamara um, also playing i i picked him uh in the first round he had a very quiet week but again i don't want to react too crazy i guess he had some sore ribs from an injury um, but we'll find out. But overall, I'm pretty excited about my team, and um, I'm not going to get crazy on the waiver wire, I don't think, this week. How about yourself? So you finished top point scorer 
overall and um, Barkley Kamara back to back first and second round Kamara obviously didn't pay off this week but um, that tandem is going to be tough moving forward especially if Barkley the way he looked week one just the the burst that he had looked like Barkley before the injury. Yeah, I was basically, say, pre, you yeah, know, pre 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 injury Barkley, which you know, uh, the upside everyone talks about those guys that you know are they going to return to their original form and you know uh, he went first pick of the second round, but the same thoughts were happening about Derrick Henry, um, who ended up going I believe third overall. Uh, McCaffrey yeah, went third. second o- overall in our league. He had the same mm-hmm. injury issues. Um, Dalvin Cook went later in the first round. He's had some injury-ridden pass. So uh, those guys that have, you know, very high upside um, went healthy. So, uh, yeah, I'm happy. I ho- I liked what i seen from Barkley. Hopefully he can remain healthy, uh, c- continue to go forward. Um, you know, obviously the matchup uh, was, was decent. Uh, we'll see uh, with this upcoming week, but I'm excited. Uh, hopefully Kamara turns it around. I'm sure he'll be, he'll be fine moving forward, especially it seems like they're – they're going to be pass happy with Jameis. Um, I'm, I'm sure his target share will go up and he'll he'll catch more balls moving forward. Um, you know, whether the rushing yards are going to be there like they were in years past, not positive, but he will definitely be there from a from a receiving standpoint. And then your, your round three, round four, Evans, A.J. Brown, um, going away from running back, running back, running back, running back, like has been in previous years, uh, paid off so far because they both look like legit number ones. I uh, appreciate it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited. I, ho- I hope to say that, uh, I mean, that was uh, that was my thought is you have this clear-cut number one with high um, touchdown uh, equity uh, in A.J. Brown and um, and Mike Evans because of their just sheer size and height. Uh uh, and target volume. I'm excited that you know I paid off this week. Uh, again, that uh, I went a little bit away from uh, in years past, but you know that's a a topic we'll have later on this uh, podcast discussion about you know uh, our our league and most leagues being you know running back heavy in the first couple rounds. Uh, but uh, the league is is pass happy, and are we going to be putting more emphasis on on these receivers because those top five to six, seven receivers, uh, they really hit this week. So we'll find out. But as we go right now, I, I like where my team is headed. Um, how about your team? How did your team do this week, Nick? Terrible. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. So my draft went according to plan, in my mind. Uh, I had I had the sixth pick overall. I took Najee in the first round. Um, little, little discussion in my head between Najee and Cook at, at six went with Najee just from a sheer volume perspective uh, Fournette in the second round which I liked and then a uh, little bit of a reach in the third round with Montgomery again running backs typically go a little bit earlier I don't think Montgomery in a normal fantasy draft is a third round pick by any means and I'm not some crazy guy that just thinks Montgomery is going to be you know, a top 20 guy all of a sudden but from a volume perspective if you get 20 touches in this league you score points from a running back perspective um went with montgomery uh he looked okay the other day that they you know played in a hurricane but hopefully that should change moving forward um took keenan allen as my first receiver obviously already banged up 
that's going to be a tough one to come back from. Uh, my other receivers to round that out, Deontay Johnson, DK Metcalf. Both of them looked, I'd say, okay. Um, you know, past the eye test for me. DK had a tough matchup, but he looked good last night. Deontay Johnson also had a pretty decent matchup that he that he went against. Um, you know, division games, especially in the AFC North, are always going to be tough. But I thought I thought Johnson looked looked all right. Um, we'll see if Trubisky can you know keep getting him the ball. Uh, but overall, my team sucked. Um, I went with the no tight end, no quarterback route. Drafted as many wide receivers, as many running backs as I could. Um, I took Stafford late. I want to say Stafford was my 12th round pick. And then Fryermuth was my first tight end uh, in the 13th. So Fryermuth wasn't bad. Stafford did not pan out. Yeah, let's week. let's talk about let's talk about a few things here uh, about your lineup that I do want to talk about and you know, I'm sure uh, other people are sharing the same concerns and also the same thoughts. Um a couple of guys, uh number 1, let's talk about uh Najee Harris. He obviously had the questions about the Liz Frank uh, sprain in uh the preseason. Uh said it was behind him. Uh played in one of the preseason games, which obviously if he's having a pretty bad injury, you're probably not going to roll out uh your star player in a preseason game. If you're th- thinking about you know him possibly being injured, he's their uh, bell cow. I know that you were between him and Dalvin Cook, you said, in the draft. However, in our league, again, our league is scoring is a little different. But he did finish as the number two runner back in our league last year. So I believe that was a good pick for you uh, in the first round. Again, um, he leaves this game. Uh, I, I think he was on the sideline like throwing his cleat, uh, potentially in a walking boot at the end of the game. Uh, however, uh, based on the reports I read today, he says that he's not only practicing this week, but he's also going to play uh, this upcoming week. Um, yeah. So hopefully we'll see we, we we'll, we'll see him on the field. Um, as far as uh, DK Metcalf, again, he had seven receptions of 36 yards. Didn't get in the end zone. Um, did have a fumble loss, but uh, he did have a bad matchup. They were playing quarters D on him. Um, and Sertain was also the defender uh, on him. So I think that he'll have some uh, more success moving forward. Same thing with Deontay Johnson. He had seven or seven and 55 yards. Didn't get in the end zone. Had probably one of the biggest highlight real catches of the week. Uh, if you were watching, um, one-hand catch, it was pretty amazing. If, uh, if yeah, it was anyone else. the he, left sideline was yeah, unbelievable. He probably would have uh, got a little bit more intention if it was somebody else. Uh, but overall, uh, uh, amazing uh, play. You do have Matt Stafford. Um who, again, Super Bowl quarterback uh, last year, uh, big Matt Stafford guy, even when he was on the Lions. Uh, but he just didn't look like himself last week. I'm not going to lie. He just uh, he didn't look at the zing on the ball. Um, he didn't get Allen Robinson involved. Uh, just It just looked off. I, I mean, what are, you, what are your another, thoughts on another, that? Another, also, another tough matchup, too. I mean, Buffalo's obviously, you know, at this point, probably what, Super Bowl favorite. Um, yeah, probably. You know, their, their D looked tremendous von miller uh revenge game if you want to call it a revenge game at you know after a super bowl win but um you know going back against his old team he played really well stafford got hit i don't know at eight well. nine ten times something like that i think they had seven sacks seven on sacks, him yeah. <laughs> um three picks uh just overall just a bad game for him um 29 completions i guess is still like semi decent of a number for him. Uh, 240 yards. He was checking down a lot. Just under constant pressure. They have an easier schedule coming up, thankfully. Um, you know, running up to the bye, Atlanta, 
Arizona, Dallas, Carolina. So it should have some easier games coming up where they're not going to be facing the pass rush that Buffalo has. Um, but I think nothing nothing could happen outside of the elbow worsening for him um, to have a worse game than he did. I don't think he'll have another game where he gets sacked seven times, three interception type of game. Um, if he does, I mean, then they'll probably be reconsidering their offensive line at that point. But, uh, yeah, hopefully his, his worst is behind him at this point. I, I, I agree. Again, uh, it's week one. Let's not, uh, you know, uh, blow the right. whistle and, and take him out. This guy is, you know, a Super Bowl champion. Um, and he's a tough dude. Uh, I mean, it, he's this isn't the first time he's been playing through injury. That's a thing uh, that he's done his entire career, I feel like. Um, and then a couple more uh, bright spots on your uh, on your team that I'm taking a look at. You had uh, Uncle Lenny, Leonard Fournette, 127 yards uh, on 21 rush attempts, had averaged over six yards a carry. Um, dude was just a beast. I mean, he 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 answered the beck and call, um, and he was kind of uh, the the bright spot for and the consistency for uh, Tampa. Um, on Sunday, so uh, I think that that's a bright spot for you. Frymuth again, you had five receptions, 75 yards. Uh, it's a pretty good day for him, considering the talent that he's playing with uh, around him uh, at the wide receiver position. And then lastly, you picked Cordaro Patterson really late, and everyone was kind of uncertain on on how Atlanta was going to be, what their offensive line was going to look like, new quarterback in Marcus Mariota, Drake London at you know a wide receiver for them, obviously. Uh, Pitts, who uh, is a freak tight end, and and what he was going to bring, but Patterson picked off right le- where he left off last year. 22 rushes, which I think was a career high, as well as 120 rushing yards. Again, I think was also a career high. So the the old uh, Cordell is looking like uh, better than the young. Uh, again, added a touchdown to that. 35 points um, in, in our league. He uh, he balled out. Has anyone? in the history of the NFL ever found out that they were a running back at age 29? (laughs) Not that I know of. Last year, he came out midway through the season, maybe even a little bit earlier than that, and turned from basically a return specialist every, you know, third down. He would come in, maybe catch a pass or two. Um, He was a waiver wire guy for, you know, three or four seasons in a row. Uh, Last year, comes out and you know, just has a breakout season as a running back, which is unbelievable. Uh, so yeah, I I think he dropped this year because people didn't think he could, I guess, recreate the magic that he had last year. At I don't the, at that age too. I mean, you, you know, you just said it. He, he converted over from wide receiver at 29 years of age, and not to like, you know, I, I know uh, we're true homers, but he didn't really start really running the ball until we had him as a as a Patriot. So uh, maybe it's something that you know uh, Bill saw in him, but. Uh, I'll tell you what, he, he's a pretty special runner at this point. 22 rushes for 120 yards is is uh, is pretty serious, especially against New Orleans, which is, is touted as a, a, a you know a top five defense, I think, in the NFL. So um, they have um, L.A. this week. They have the Rams coming up, I believe. So I mean, they'll have another tough test in front of them. But 22 carries, I mean, scrubs don't get 22 carries. No. So. Uh, sure we'll 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 see how he does um, going from there. So, a uh, topic that we were we were talking about that I wanted to you know touch on in regards to fantasy, um, the receivers. So 
a lot was made this year about the top three receivers. I think they could have been made about, you know, the top six, maybe even top seven, eight. But the top three, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, uh, some were going in the in the first round, some were going in the second round. Most drafts, they were at least all going, I would say, in the top 14-ish picks, somewhere around there um, from an ADP perspective. None of them disappointed. Um, None. So, I mean, Zero. Cup was... Uh, about as unguardable as he's been in any game. Um, Stafford missed him multiple times while he was wide open. Uh, Jamar Chase is the definition of a game breaker. I mean, the guy catches, could basically score from anywhere, can catch the ball and score from anywhere on the field. Should have had a better game. Uh, definitely should have had a better game. Um, Justin Jefferson looked like the best player in the league. Offensive, defensive, didn't matter. He was unguardable. Uh, I know Jair Alexander said that he wanted to play him man-to-man uh, in the week leading up to it, and um, he's probably reconsidering. He got left in the dust a few times, I'll tell you that. Yeah, Jefferson um, is looking to break some records this year, and he's well on his way. He probably could have had an even bigger game if it was closer. If the Packers played well, they would have probably kept feeding him. Uh, Cousins would have definitely kept feeding him. Um, and then some of the other guys. I mean, Diggs, we talked about this off air, but Diggs may have had the toughest matchup of the group, and he torched Ramsey pretty much all night. Uh, Devontae Adams, 17 targets. He was the best route runner. It is, uh, I don't know, I... I that's selling him short by saying he's the best route runner, but he was turning defenders around inside out. I believe it was Asante Samuel Jr. Um, shout out Asante Samuel Sr. You dropped the ball in the Super Bowl. You cost us the Super Bowl. Thanks, appreciate that. Hate you, but um, your son's really good, and uh, he got torched by Devonte Adams as well. Um, Which everyone in the league pretty much gets torched by Devonta Adams. Uh, he's just that good. People just sleep on those top three guys, I believe, in my opinion. Uh, Jefferson's a stud. Chase is a stud. Diggs is also a stud, uh, as well as Cup. However, Adams has been doing it uh, year in and year out, and he proved uh, in this new offense, a new team, new quarterback, Loaded with talent around him, which he hasn't had uh, in previous years with Green Bay, and he still was the best player on the field. So um, kudos to him for balling out. And then you had the newcomers, um, A.J. Brown, I believe, and Michael Pittman, who you can add into the mix, maybe not at the top uh, three or four uh, that we initially spoke, but A.J. Brown, 10 receptions, 155 yards, did not get in the end zone. Um I had a few opportunities to and didn't, and uh, Michael Pittman, nine receptions, 121 yards, and one touchdown, and was just a target hog and a focal point of that uh, Colts offense. I I think the only thing that keeps A.J. Brown out of that discussion at this point is going to be the lack of touchdowns from from Hertz. Um, Hertz with, what, 16, 17 passing touchdowns last year. Again, he had zero yesterday or, excuse me, Sunday. But his rushing obviously keeps him as an elite quarterback. Um, A.J. Brown's going to be a target monster there in Philly. It's just going to be a lack of touchdowns. The other guys are going to score, you know, 15 touchdowns, 
somewhere around that 12 to 15 touchdowns. If he can get to 8 or 10, I think he can be right up there in that conversation. That's going to be the only thing that keeps him out of there. I mean, he's he's physically he's a freak. Um, I don't know if he's bigger. I don't know if he's bigger than all those guys, but he's 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 pretty big. pretty much a freak of nature. Um, another guy that went early that was last year again exploded onto the scene uh, was Debo. So the receiving yards and uh, and catches obviously weren't there. He had eight targets this week. He played in a hurricane. Trey Lance looked like he was a mess. Um, Debo still had eight rushes for 52 yards. Eli Mitchell going down with the injury is only going to increase his production from a rushing standpoint, in, in my opinion. Um, I mean, they're going to have to be feeding him the ball. So I think... Obviously, his receiving will, you know, numbers will go up on a weekly basis. It's not going to be playing in the weather that he was playing in in uh, on Sunday, but um, his rushing numbers are going to keep him in that elite category as well. So he's he's going to be in the discussion for you know the top uh, top three position with the with those rushing numbers moving forward. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. Initially, um, I have a side bet with a buddy of mine in uh, one of my other leagues. I'm a big uh, Brandon Ayuk fan. Did not have uh, the game that I thought he was going to have this week. However, um, it might be a you know a, a buy candidate for this week after a, a dismal uh, week one performance. Again, they played in some horrific conditions, so uh, that's something that you have to take in consideration. But the fact that they lost Mitchell uh, in the run game in San Fran, uh, Debo is uh, the Swiss Army knife. So he's going to play not only uh, snaps in the backfield, but also out wide. I believe he led the team in targets as well. So um, I think, yeah, he, he good things uh, are to happen uh, with Debo moving forward. I feel like that next week he could have a, a pretty big game if the weather is not um, torrential downpours like it was. <laughs> Um, so switching off of off of the receivers. Yeah, real quick, real quick. Uh, before you do that, I just want to go Absolutely. down the I just want to go down, down the line. So in our league, um, the top seven uh, running back picks there. In uh, and again, this is my league and my league only. Uh, in order, Taylor went first. Again, he balled out 49 fantasy points, 13 um, uh, rushes for 161 yards and one TD. Added six receptions for 30 yards. Uh, McCaffrey, 20.7 uh, points. Again, only 10 rushes for 33 yards. Did get in the end zone. Coupled it with four receptions, 24 yards. Henry, 21 rushes for 82 yards. Did not get in the end zone. Did not have any receptions. Eckler, 14 carries for 36 yards and four receptions for 36 yards. Um and then Mixon, uh, again, another person that balled out 27 rushes for 82 yards, seven receptions for 63 yards. And then, again, we talked about Najee Harris and his stat line earlier, him uh, before leaving with injury. And then Dalvin Cook, 20 rushes for 90 yards and three receptions for 18 yards. All in all, the only uh, runner back that outscored any of those receivers we just named before was was Jonathan Taylor. Other than that, Jefferson, Chase, Diggs, Adams, Brown, Cup, and Pittman all outscored um, uh, those running backs not named. Jeez, um, uh, help me out here. Uh, Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. And uh, Mixon also uh, did ball out. He was in the mix uh, uh, as well, um, but not quite uh, as high as some of those receivers. Just no touchdown. Mixon without a touchdown. 
Um, you know, it's tough to have, especially with the numbers, the offensive numbers that are put up in the league these days. If you don't have a touchdown, it's it's tough to have those huge, huge scoring weeks. Um, with that being said, Mixon still had 35. Um, you know, I'll take that every day from every one of my players, any day. Uh, but he touched the ball, what, was, what is this, 34 times? Um, a Mixon? Yeah. I mean that's elite. He had he had a he had a hell of a game. Obviously, overtime helped that out a bit. Um, but the 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 discussion that we had again, we had this off air. Our league is running back heavy. Most fantasy leagues, for the most part, are running back heavy. Um, you know, there's less running backs than there are wide receivers that go in the draft. That just the way it is. Um, running backs touch the ball less. So if you can get an elite running back that touches the ball, you know, 18, 20, 25 times a game, you're you're going to be ahead of your opponent. Um, so again, we draft our our running backs fairly early and fairly often. Um, but we had this discussion off air, and it's it's now a after week one, not to overreact again, but it's now a discussion whether you know fantasy is turning into the NFL. Um, you know, it's a passing league. The the league execs and and everything they want to sell just like the MLB wants to sell home runs, they want to sell quarterbacks and wide receivers. Uh, there's a reason that running backs after the age of you know 26, 27 they don't get paid, they get cut, they move around from team to team until they find a spot until you know low 30s and then they're out of the league. Uh, these quarterbacks can play till the late 30s and obviously Brady's 45 at this point which is you know unbelievable uh these guys can just keep playing and playing and playing and put up high passing yardage numbers high touchdowns um and the receivers are playing paying dividend right now um so the the debate that we were having off the air is again at this point who's more valuable is it the early round running backs or is it the early round ride receivers and after week one Unless you have, you know, two or three or four guys from from uh, the running back room, all of the receivers are outshining all of them. Yeah, I mean, and, and we're talking about, you know, besides a Mixon and Taylor, unless you're adding in um, uh, Saquon Barkley, who, again, uh, was an early second-round pick, um, or... Swift. Swift was a stud. Uh, didn't get in the end zone. Got you know vultured on a couple touchdowns, but was a complete uh, stud. 15 rushes for 144 yards. Did get in the end zone once, but you know uh, could have had an even bigger day. Yeah, I think Jamal had um, um, two touchdowns. Two actually, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's. I mean, besides those four guys, I, I don't know if uh, uh, Leonard Fournette again. He was up there, um, but he didn't have as many points as those receivers that we just spoke about. So. Um, we'll see. Uh, week two um, is a new week. We'll see if the trend continues or it goes back to uh, you know uh, more evened out performances with wideouts and running backs. But right now, uh, I think the tail of the tape was wide receivers took the cake in week one. So projected numbers moving forward. And again, these are projections just based off of Yahoo in our league. Um, the projected numbers still have running backs one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, the top seven spots. Um, Cup comes in eight, Fournette, 
Henry and Kamara round out the top ten. <coughs> so that's Excuse one. Me. That's one of the top ten by Yahoo projections. Again, that's not you know Fantasy Pros. That's not CBS. That's not PFF. That's not any other you know uh, site that's just strictly Yahoo. Uh, again, based on our custom settings in our league, which are not like you know most leagues. Uh, but I will say for the most part, even in the half point PPR leagues that I play in or the full point PPR leagues that uh, I also play in, majority of those skill position players kind of. Uh, come in the same order um you know uh plus or minus maybe a few guys uh, but for the most part it's 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 pretty even i mean uh, even the other leagues i'm in those those top receivers were the top scorers this week so um pretty impressive to say the least uh, pretty impressive uh, and, and most of them outscored their projections from pretty much from pretty much across the board i mean no one thought I mean, as, as as wild of a season as Cooper Cup had last year, <coughs> excuse me, no one was projecting him to to have the numbers he did in Week One, or Justin Jefferson, or Jamar Chase, or any of those guys that we mentioned previous. They just all had tremendous games. And again, I'm not really sure what stops them moving forward outside of the tough defensive matchups that they could run into when they play, if they play, you know, Buffalo or San Francisco or some of the, the the teams that are just better off against the pass. Um, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how the how the year unfolds. But again, I think a lot of these guys going end of the first, you know, to the middle of the second. You never really say a second round pick could be a bargain, but or a steal. But uh, you know, some of these guys could end up being, you know number one overall type of players. Well, I mean, that's the thing. that You know, your first couple rounds that you pick in fantasy drafts, no matter what the format is, you want those guys to be your sure guys. You know, uh, like you said, like, these running backs are usually the first person they get injured. Um, you know, their numbers are uh, have been down now. Uh, well, last year they were down. Moving into, first, you know, week one of the 2022-2023 season, they're, they're, again, under these wide receivers. So, you know, the debate then comes up, uh, you know, whether or not, you know, these wide receivers deserve to be, you know, uh, taken in the first round uh, over running backs. And we'll see as, you know, our, our podcast and the weeks to come, you know, what that discussion is. But it's something to uh, have in the back of your mind. Um, and we'll, we'll see. We'll move into week two. We talked about this prior to the draft. Our discussion was where do the wide receivers go? You know, where is Cooper Cup going to go? Where is Justin Jefferson going to go? Should we take them at our certain draft positions? You know, I drafted sixth. Nick drafted tenth. Could we get these receivers coming back in round two or, you know, later in round three, that type of stuff? Um, I'll be honest, I, I, I missed on them. And now looking back on it, even though it's only one week, I'm already throwing some trades out there and seeing what I can get for some of these running backs. And while I don't want to trade low, if I can still snag, you know, some of these receivers, if if any of them, um, you know, before they blow up three, four, five weeks in a row, um, I'm definitely doing my best to uh, to get that out there. Um, anything further on, you know, the, the running back versus receiver discussion before we move on to uh, injuries and waivers? 
Yeah, I got, I got nothing, but I, I will uh, put this all out to the audience. I would love to hear what your thoughts are on, you know, where you drafted these top receivers in your draft. I know in some of the other podcasts I listen to and other platforms, you know, some of these guys were going, you know, early in draft. Uh, again, our format and our scoring system is different, and some of you that have your own custom uh, leagues, I'm curious to see where uh, where you feel uh, about this top running back versus top wide receivers and in the first couple rounds the highest i saw was um jefferson went uh round one pick three in one of my drafts um that was the highest i saw a receiver go but i wouldn't be surprised if someone took cup or jefferson even one one um in a ppr format without the uh you know half point per rush or anything along those lines um, you know, Taylor is probably locked in as the highest volume guy that there is. But again, it, you know, starting with a number one receiver, it, it, you really can't go wrong there either. So um, it's going to be interesting to see moving forward. Yeah, let's see how this uh, this pans out, you know, moving forward. But uh, just a topic of conversation we wanted to bring up because I, I think it's a, it's a hot one at this moment in time. So um, Another hot topic on uh, week one was injuries. Unfortunately, across the league, there was injuries. I won't say in every single game, but there was definitely some injuries that leave a mark from a fantasy perspective. Um, just some ones off the top of my head. Obviously, Eli Mitchell. Uh, shout out Soldier Field. Pretty much injures someone every time I watch a Bears game. But um, Mitchell with a, uh, a partial tear in his knee out. Is it four to five, I think, or four to six? Uh... Four to six, I think, is the um, the short end timetable there. So, you know, he's out a month and change, a month to two, um, which is not ideal. Um, Keenan Allen came up lame with a hamstring, which was unfortunate because he seemed like he was actually on his way to a decent decent day. I believe he still led his team uh, in not only targets but also receptions and he didn't play a <clears throat> decent amount of that game so that just kind of shows you the impact he was having on the game prior to his exit. Um, hamstring injury, those are tough. Uh, he's not, you know, uh, unfortunately the young buck that he once was, a complete stud route runner, uh, elite wide receiver at that. However, um, I don't know what the severity of that hamstring is, um, whether it's a strain, a tear, a partial tear. Um, but either way, I think he's going to be out. Uh, Damn ads. Uh, I think he's going to be out a decent amount of time. So uh, it's going to have some decent uh, impact on your fantasy um, teams you know, moving forward. Uh, and also uh, should make for an interesting wave of wire uh, discussion, which we will have moving forward. Another big one from the Steelers Bengals game was uh, T. Higgins uh, concussion. I believe that was second quarter, third quarter. Um, he he left the game. Bengals are fortunate to have, you know, if not the best or the deepest, probably one of two or three wide receiving core in the league. Um, Chase Higgins Boyd um, Boyd is very underrated and if he's your number three receiver you're doing pretty pretty well but um, Boyd stepped in had, still had a decent game there but Higgins you know the concussion obviously could be a very short-term thing it could be a you know a, a one to two week thing or it could be you know a month yeah he didn't practice today um, 
no no uh, other updates on him. However, you know uh, they're on a short week this week, uh, so he's probably doubtful to start. Uh, it's always the the, um, the the concussion where I believe they have to get a full practice in to actually clear the concussion protocol. I'm not I'm not positive if that's like one of the one of the requirements for the NFL, but I I think it's I think it's something where they have to get at least a limited in. Um, you know, they have to at least practice or be cleared to practice to actually play, um, which means if they're um, if they're on a short week, then then that Friday practice basically becomes his time to be. So what? So with, with that being said, there's a couple of injuries that you just named. What is some? Uh, we talked about Debo earlier. You know, um, having maybe some uptick in not only rushes but probably in targets. You know, with Mitchell being out and maybe them going a little bit more pass happy and non-hurricane uh, situations. But what about um, with the Chargers and what about with Cincinnati? Do we have an uptick in, in uh, some usage for other players, you think, or some players that you might want to keep an eye on or move to the waiver wire on? I mean, from from a Chargers standpoint, the, um, the receiver, I think that's going to move up for them is uh, and um, forgive me, for, for is it Palmer? Palmer, Josh Palmer. Yeah. Um, that will probably move up, I guess, in his place. I, even without Keenan Allen, Mike Williams was essentially a no-show, um, which was which was strange because he had some very very big games last year when Keenan Allen didn't play. So it was an interesting, uh, I guess, week that he didn't, um, you know, he didn't come in at all. Um, also, the tight end that you were mentioning before, uh, Gerald Everett. Could probably step up, and you know he'll see some more targets. Uh, I can't imagine that they're that they're gonna move away from him. He had a heck of a touchdown catch, and he had an overall he had a, you know a great game. Um, Eckler, I wanted to touch base with uh, on him when we were in the discussion of running backs, but we we didn't. He was down from a volume perspective and from a snap share perspective, um, even though they were without. Allen, I believe he only played 46% of the snaps. Now, he wasn't losing them necessarily to um, other running backs. Excuse me, it was 49%. Um, Kelly was at 27. Sony Michelle was at 24. So it wasn't, you know, it was, a, I guess, a, a mixed backfield. But Eckler was a, you know, 55 60% snap share guy last year. And he makes his living with his receiving yards. You know, his rushing yards are obviously gravy on top, but he's you know, essentially a wide receiver too for them. Um, I would assume he will probably get some more looks, even in the short and intermediate range. Yeah, agreed. I, I definitely uh, a down day for Eckler. I don't think it's a cause for concern uh, due to the stud. I don't think he's injured. Uh, although didn't that touchdown equity he had last year uh, is a big part of his fantasy uh, performance. But for for uh, Receptions for um, 36 yards and only 14 uh, carries for 36 yards on the ground. So, you know, kind of a down day uh, for him. He must have been the focal point uh, they were concerned about on on defense. Um, Herbert, though, getting the job done, spreading the ball around. Uh, So, yeah, so I think I agree with you, Gerald Everett, um, Josh Palmer. Obviously, Mike Williams needs to step his game up. Uh, only two receptions for 10 yards last week. Uh, those guys could see an uptick in, in usage. Again, uh, Jamar Chase and uh, 
Boyd uh, in Cincinnati uh, if Higgins was to miss time. Also, Mixon, again, uh, had a decent amount of receptions, seven receptions for 63 yards. So he could continue that um, kind of workload moving forward if Higgins was to miss a couple weeks or even just this week. Let's they see. play um, – um, who are they playing next week? They're at the Cowboys. So, I mean – I won't say the Bengals don't need Higgins next week, but you know, starting 0-1 doesn't help them. Uh, I don't think they want to fall behind you know, 0-2, but I would say even without Higgins, the way the Cowboys looked Sunday night. Uh, not to mention, the they get the injury bug too. Dak Prescott, you know, uh, fractured uh, hand. Yeah, hand. Getting some surgery. He's out, you know, four to six weeks at minimum. I th- believe he was just placed on the IR. Um, so that puts them out for at least four games. Uh, they haven't named their starting quarterback yet, so uh, <coughs> those skill position guys are also going to you know, uh, take a little bit of a hit, um, see if the run game can step up. But, yes, it should be an easier uh, opponent for Cincinnati. One, um, well, two more, technically, from that game. Uh, one fantasy and one non-fantasy perspective uh, Najee didn't finish the game with the Steelers. It was a foot injury. He's already come out and said today, you know, he's going to practice and he's going to play. He's a football player. You know, he, he, he's a football guy. I'm sure he's going to say all the right things. Um, whether he plays or not, whole different story. Uh, they play the Pats this week. I kind of hope from a fan perspective he doesn't play. From a fantasy perspective, I hope he does. But, um, it didn't. Uh, it didn't look good after a preseason injury, but supposedly it's the other foot. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, I think Thursday, Friday practice. We'll keep a lookout for those to see if he's actually practicing or not. And then one more from that game that you know non-fantasy, but T.J. Watt. Um, the guy is just a freak. He makes plays all over the field. The interception that he had in that game was unbelievable. Um, he's just he's just an athlete and a half. He's a disruptor, period. He he single-handedly <clears throat> was disrupting the entire Cincinnati offense. He is just uh, he's a hell of a football player. Um, the pec injury they said isn't as bad as they you know was feared originally. Uh, it's not torn, so no he, he doesn't need surgery. Um, he said he's going to be back six to eight weeks. They're hoping that he can get back before the end of October. Um, I've never had a torn pectoral or any sort of pectoral injury. All I've seen is pictures where people have purple chests and that type of stuff. And uh, I could never imagine the pain or discomfort, never mind then putting on pads and strapping up and getting onto a football field. So um, if he comes back in six to eight weeks, he's superhuman. Yeah, I had a torn clavicle from my chest plate when I was <coughs> younger from a biking injury, and it was horrendous. So if he has a partially torn pectoral muscle, uh, Godspeed to him. I mean, uh, the pain's got to be unbelievable. And the position he plays is, you know, nothing but physical, so we'll see. Um, so to, to piggyback on, on the injuries, um, the waivers. Obviously, week one, 
overreaction going into week two. Everyone's going to do it, even though we say don't overreact. You drafted your guys for a reason, so on and so forth. You're going to have injuries. Someone with, you know, like myself with Najee Harris or someone with Eli Mitchell, Keenan, Keenan Allen, you know, Dak Prescott, you're, you're, you're stuck with a spot that you need to fill. So waivers come up tomorrow. Uh, in some leagues, probably yeah, maybe had already even happened. <clears throat> Ours for the most part tomorrow. Um, so we had some guys on the waiver that uh, that are some some ads that are going to probably be the popular guys for the week, um, and some that are, I guess probably maybe already on teams in certain leagues as far as like deeper leagues, um, but some that are probably just you know, two, three, five percent owned at this point that are probably going to jump up to, you know, 40, 50 percent owned after this week. So um, who's your uh, who's your I guess your your waiver go to this week? Uh, I guess it, it depends on what you need. If you're looking to bolster your bench with a runner back or wide receiver, uh, you had a, you have a couple options at both. To me personally, um, just because I feel like the running back position is a more volatile uh, position and easier to get injured, um, I like Dontrell Hilliard from Tennessee. He had a pretty good game in the receiving um, core, had a couple touchdowns as well, but not only that, but he is the fullback, God forbid, uh Derrick Henry does go down. I feel like he, you know, uh, is the clear-cut backup uh, to him. So not only are you potentially getting a guy that that could fill a void of maybe a flex position on a week in a week out basis, but also if something was to happen to Henry, he can move into maybe becoming a top 20 back in the NFL. Uh, so for for me, he'd be my my top add uh, for those that are in you know normal waiver priority. Uh, regardless of your waiver position, I would probably have him at the top. And if you're in a fab budget uh, league, which most are now, I'd probably put anywhere between 10 to 15% on Hilliard this week. And for myself, I would say, <clears throat> um, coming from someone who owns Eli Mitchell in his auction league, uh, Jeff Wilson, he's going to be the lead back, uh, if you could say lead back with Debo on the team. But Wilson's going to be the guy to get, you know, 50, 60% snap share at this point. I believe they just signed, who did they sign to the practice squad? I think it was Marlon Mack. Um, it might have even happened just before we, we started recording. I don't think Mack's going to play a role. I mean, if he does, it won't be, you know, for a week or two or even more than that. Um, Wilson's going to be the guy this week. He's been there. He knows the system. I would say he's just another guy, but again, with that comes the volume that he's going to get. So if he can get 15 to 18 touches, um, somewhere around that range, being the the wide receiver run one for them, sharing some snaps with Debo, that type of stuff. Um, obviously, if you have Eli Mitchell, he's got to be your guy. But um, and what would you invest in him? You think? So Wilson right now, I have, uh, in my auction league, I have $31 on him on a uh, on a $200 budget. Um, no one's going to hear this from my league, at least, hopefully not. But uh, <laughs> uh, until, it's, until it's already done, until waivers are already out. But I have $31 on him currently. Um, my team is also, again, in that league, 
in shambles. Um, Keenan Allen injury, Eli Mitchell injury. Um, I just I drafted horrendous. I just overall was. But that could happen to anyone. I mean, uh, speaking about uh, Jeff Wilson, I believe that you know he's a pretty high guy. I think he's in the top three uh, waiver priorities this week. I mean, I believe he was the clear cut goal line back anyway. So uh, now that his you know um, uptick in usage. Uh, is going to be uh, going to happen is going to help him Terry and Davis price is behind him he didn't even he was a healthy scratch this week so obviously he's going to play whether or not they sign Marlon back Mac um, off the practice squad is to be seen uh, Debo obviously gonna siphon some of those carries but I believe that Jeff Wilson will, at the very least will be the goal line back and have uh, some more usage uh, so I think that you know he's a, a pretty good ad uh, regardless of um, anything uh, or, or what your waiver um, system is in your league let's jump over to the wide receivers are there any wide receivers that you feel um, should be added uh, if you decided to not do runner back this week so I think I think one that's going to be a little less I guess owned than most but Robbie Anderson um, yeah I took it took him um, <clears throat> last I take him last Either last or second to last. Last round, last round, I believe, and then I ended up dropping him for Mecole Hardman. But Anderson's a home run hitter. Um, Baker was able to connect with him on a deep ball. If if he's if he's able to hit, you know, one or two of those every every few games, I mean, he's going to be fantasy viable. Uh, previous year before that, I believe he was a thousand yard guy, six or seven touchdowns, something like that. So if that's something that you can scoop on waivers. Um, I mean that's tremendous. I'm not not as far as to say he's going to be a thousand yard guy at this point, because they have kind of weapons all over the place. But I think Anderson, with the home run hitter ability, you know, kind of puts him, uh, I, I would say, towards the top of that list. I mean, if we're talking about you know the Panthers' offense as a whole, um, I mean DJ Moore had a down day. Uh, obviously, so did uh, McCaffrey. But outside those two guys, I mean, Robbie Anderson could be the guy. I mean, he had eight targets. Caught five, 102 yards, touchdown. Um, so you're looking for a guy that potentially could be, you know, wide receiver, you know, three, four with, you know, some high upside. I mean, uh, go out and, you know, put in a claim on this guy. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, the other guy on my list, um, and it could go uh, two ways, I think, you know, Curtis Samuel. Uh, guys, you know, uh, shown flashes in the past when he was actually on uh, Carolina. Has been injured since he's been on Washington. Um, Swiss Army knife. Yeah. Uh, but definitely yeah. touches the ball, and he is another can score from anywhere type of guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, people say maybe a poor man's uh, Debo Samuel, but he does everything. He gets rushes in the yeah. backfield. Um, he, you know, catches passes. Uh, again, sharing that um, workload with a few other people on his team uh, that have some, you know, pretty high talent. But again, he saw 11 targets in the game. 55 yards, had a touchdown, grabbed a few uh, rushes as well. Um, so if you're looking for a guy that you uh, could potentially bring some upside to your team, Curtis Samuel uh, would be a guy I recommend. So two two stats on both of those guys. First with Samuel. Samuel played 71% of the snaps for Washington, which was wide receiver three on the team. McLaurin was first, Jahan Dotson who is another one on that list, the rookie. Uh, he played 88% of the snaps. Samuel played 71. Um, so he's getting on the field. And then, believe this or not, but 
with the Panthers, Robbie Anderson played 100% of the snaps. DJ Moore played 100% of the snaps. So if someone's going to play 100% of the snaps, my guess is the offensive coordinator, the coach, the you know the group in general, they believe in that guy to block, to catch, to be able to contribute. Um, so he was out there for every play. Again, <clears throat> from a volume perspective, can't get much better than that. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, to round out the waiver wire discussion, uh, if you decide to stay in that wide receiver category, uh, I think the third person maybe on that list probably would be that Johan Dotson, uh, Samuel's teammate, um, the rookie. He uh, three for five uh, for 40 yards, but he also had, you know, two touchdowns. Uh, it was said that, you know, he was one of uh, Wentz's favorite targets in the preseason uh, that came to fruition game one I don't know if any rookies come out game one and score two touchdowns I don't uh, know if there's a way to look that up but if he is um, he's in uh, pretty good company I'm sure so another guy if if you're not too high on Curtis Samuel because of injuries or whatever it may be Johan Dotson might be your guy and I'm not I'm not a Carson Wentz fan <clears throat> by any means but he's an upgrade from what they had last year so from a from a better quarterback standpoint, you know, Wentz is going to throw the ball. He's going to throw a lot of picks, but he is going to throw the ball down the field and push the ball down the field. So if these guys can make plays down the field, they're going to have opportunities. <clears throat> so both of them should see, you know, at least some volume moving forward and definitely their, uh, uh, you know, air yards moving forward, I'm sure will be very high as well. So if they're able to, you know, get behind the defense once or twice a game, Wentz will probably throw them the ball, you know, whether it makes them there or not, but um, they're going to have opportunities. Yeah, and then lastly, you have Najee Harris went out, said he's going to play, uh, but what about his backup? you think he, he's somebody that you should uh, think about uh, for our, a waiver priority? I mean, Warren played. I don't think he did a ton with his time on the field. Um, from, from my recollection, I believe he only had, like, four or five touches in total, <clears throat> something along those lines. Um, I wouldn't, I guess, put too much stock into that. Um, you know, Najee not coming out for overtime is definitely a huge red flag for me. But, again, I, I guess more of a um, of a short-term fill is not someone that I would target on a waiver perspective, unless it's later in the season where you have to have wins. Not that every week doesn't count in fantasy, obviously, but... Um, if you got down to you know last weeks of the season and he's out for a week, something like that, I could understand you know spending some money on him. But beginning of the season, not someone that I guess I would target. I'd put him you know a little further down the list. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, if you are a Najee Harris owner and you just you know not sold whether or not he's gonna uh, actually play, and if he is, if he's gonna stay on the field, then you might wanna put some stock in Jalen Warren. Otherwise, I agree. Um, probably stay away from or if you can get him for free uh, after waivers is cleared that'd be somebody uh, to maybe take a look at all right so flipping over to um, you know kind of a, a, a rundown of the games from the previous week and then a quick look forward <clears throat> at uh, at week two with some interesting matchups coming up so um, week one just run through kind of some of these games real quick um, just a quick thought, I guess, on, on each game, maybe a positive, maybe a negative, something along those lines, um, starting with the Thursday night kickoff, Bills beating the Rams 
I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but uh, I mean, I would have to say uh, my two takeaways is how good is Josh Allen? I mean, the dude was nearly perfect. His couple interceptions he had, I don't believe it was his fault whatsoever. Uh, Both his slot receivers um, had lost the ball that should have been caught, so he should have uh, had no interceptions, and that score probably would be even worse had those wide receivers uh, caught the ball. And then the flip side, you know, is everything okay with Matt Stafford? I mean, that's uh, the big take-home. Uh, I can't wait to maybe see him against not such a volatile opponent in the Bills. Uh, but those probably are my uh, big takeaways from week one from that game. Um, Saints-Falcons, Saints eked it out at the end. Uh, I think it was young Way Koo missed a 50-something yarder to win the game, I believe. Um my, I would say my takeaway from from that game is twofold. Um, the Saints' offense, you know, coming back and winning that game the way they did. Um, Jameis looked like a competent quarterback. Talk about someone who's going to push the ball down the field. Um, Olave is going to have opportunities. Landry looked like he was back in LSU. Um, their offense in general. Uh, you know, pushing the ball down the field the way they, the way they did in the fourth quarter, I think is going to be more of a, a thing to come with them. And then, um, secondly, the Falcons are fun to watch. Period. They play close games. They usually lose them. The way they lose them is hilarious. They're just overall going to be a cursed franchise from the moment it was 28 to three. Um, they'll just never be the same again. I agree. Uh, you know, a couple of take-homes is Drake London is a stud. Uh, Cordero Patterson, we, we spoke on before. Marcus Mariota, actually a competent quarterback, better than um, I think that people give him credit for. And then lastly, on the flip side is, you know, uh, it was late, but Michael Thomas uh, coming alive and having two touchdowns to, to help them clinch the game. So uh, uh, shout-out to him for uh, his comeback and his uh, coming-out performance. Um, Bears 49ers Bears with a 19 point second half um, taking taking home the win 19 to 10 um, they played in one of the worst conditions I can remember on a football field it was basically flooded before the game um, they were actually squeegeeing <clears throat> the field I've never seen that before didn't know you could squeegee grass but guess what uh, they did and uh, it was insane <laughs> it's tough to take much I guess away from the game period but my one takeaway is um, both defenses looked good, obviously, because of the weather, but I do think both defenses are going to be decent. Um, Mac isn't there in Chicago anymore, but, um, you know, both looked good. Lance and Fields, you know, what are they going to be? It, it's, are, are they, are they going to, uh, you know, is Fields going to progress this season? Is Lance going to be able to, to step right in for Jimmy G and, you know, fulfill what San Francisco was looking to do is get back to the Super Bowl and win this time. Um, you know, two questions that are definitely going to be interesting as the season plays out, but uh, two really low floor quarterbacks, but really high ceiling quarterbacks. Um, I think the Niners are going to be fun to watch. The Bears, probably not so much, but they the division itself is kind of wide open um so it'll be interesting now that they want to know how they how they do moving forward i want to see uh you know my takeaways isn't anything about this game it's about what's going to happen next game 
specifically Darnell Moody and uh, Brandon Ayuk, who uh, both did not show up. Uh, obviously, they played in hurricane conditions. So I'm curious what those dudes uh, do next week um, with their mobile quarterbacks. Um, but that's my only take home. Uh, Steelers and Bengals. Steelers pull out the win in one of the weirder games that I've ever watched in my life. Um, the Bengals should have won the game. Not really sure. There was a Jamar Chase catch on the one-yard line that wasn't reviewed. That was a touchdown that didn't get reviewed. They gave the ball on the one-yard line, and that was a mess of a game towards the end. The refs were all over the place. The kickers were all over the place. Um, again, my, my takeaway is, we touched on it, but T.J. Watt leaving the game, he's arguably one of the best players in the league. Um, just I'm by no means a Pittsburgh fan, but I do like T.J. Watt, and it sucks to see him not play football. Um, and I think the Bengals are going to be fun to watch in general. Burrow threw the ball 53 times. Their offense is just going to be electric. They only scored 20, but I can't imagine they're going to be in the teens. So this might be the worst offensive game that they play all year, and they still scored 20 points. Yeah, I agree. Jamar Chase is the real deal. Joe Mixon, again, uh, picking up where he left <laughs> off last year. We'll see if uh, T. Higgins comes back from that concussion. Uh, on the flip side of the ball, I'm not really sure uh, the identity of the Steelers' offense. I need a few more weeks to see how those target shares uh, roll out. Deontay Johnson, again, had one of the best catches of the whole week. Um, well, let's see where he moves uh uh, in week two and beyond, uh, but that's that's it. That's all I have for that game. Eagles, Lions, um, Eagles. Pull, I, I guess pull out a W, even though they were they were winning the game pretty much the entire game. The fourth quarter, the Lions scored you know 14 unanswered. Um, the Lions are another one that I feel like they're almost like must see TV because Jared Goff is like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type of guy. He's so bad sometimes and then so good other times that their offense is going to be interesting to watch as well. And then the Eagles, uh, they're my pick for the NFC this season. Um, not just the East. I think they can win the entire NFC and, and, and make it to the Super Bowl. Their offense behind Hurts and, and obviously Brown bringing Brown over um, is going to be is going to be fun to watch. Can their defense keep up? You know, giving up 35 to Detroit probably not going to cut it you know once they start playing some of these better teams and once they get into the division i think that's but, the question though you know are the lions that good or is the eagles d that bad i mean uh, we'll see i mean uh, i agree with you uh good to see the lions you know uh not kill over uh they you know fought to the very end they have a good offensive line they you know um Got some new weapons. DJ Chark had a touchdown. He looked pretty decent. So uh, we'll see how their offense uh, clicks moving forward. We talked about Swift earlier, who arguably could have had the best week of any running back had he not get vultured those two touchdowns. But uh, as far as yards per carry, he was, I believe, the best uh, for the week. So uh, the guy was a stud. So we'll see. But, uh, yeah, both interesting watches moving forward. There's a curse of hard knocks. Every team that's on hard knocks sucks in the beginning (laughs) of the season. Um, speaking of sucking in the beginning of the season, uh, the Dolphins beat the Patriots 20-7. to Patriots look anemic on offense. It's not even a, it gives them too much credit at this point. Um, Trent Brown was the worst offensive lineman I've ever seen in my life. Mac Jones was running for his life, and he can't run. Um, the Dolphins look 
good enough. Uh, Tyreek looked good. Waddle with the game breaker on fourth and seven right before the half. That kind of broke the Patriots back and made it 17-0. Um, the Pats just overall looked like they were outplayed on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I felt like they were just trying to lose the game. Uh, that opening drive, you know, moving right down the field, had that interception that was brutal. But we just kept giving the ball to the Dolphins. Uh, I feel like this game could have, you know, the score was only 20-7, to 7, but I feel like it could have been 40-0. to 0. Uh, We just did not look good. Our offense doesn't look good. Mac had x-rays on his back, so I don't know what his injury status is moving forward. Uh, but he cannot keep sustaining the uh, amount of hits that he is uh, currently uh, receiving. So I, I don't know. I'm uh, I'm a Patriots fan through and through, and I just did not like any part of what I saw. Um, two other guys that went down with injuries, I don't know updates on them, but Adrian Phillips for the Pats and Duggar for the Pats are arguably outside of Judon, you know, two of their better defensive players um Duggar is a stud the kid is proved me wrong and proved probably everyone wrong coming from D2 um all the way to a second round draft pick never who's no one has ever heard of besides Bill Belichick he's a all pro type of talent but he went down uh I'm not sure if it was a, a leg or if it was a back injury when he went down but shout out Kyle Duggar proved me wrong and I hope he's back next week because without him, they're shit in the secondary. So, yeah, agreed. Uh, Ravens and Jets. I mean, not much to be said about this game. The Jets suck. Flacco sucks. The Ravens basically were on cruise control in the second half. They probably could have put up 30, 35 points if they needed to, if they wanted to. Um, Flacco threw the ball 59 times, which is. Absolutely unbelievable. He is putrid. But, uh, yeah, I don't think... uh, If the Patriots played the Jets, they may have beaten them. But outside of that, I'm not sure if they could have beaten too many other teams on Sunday. I think, like, a couple things that... uh, The take-homes that I have is Rashad Bateman got, you know, had that long touchdown, uh, did... uh, Was second on the team in targets, uh, but DuVernay did have two touchdowns. Uh, Kenyon Drake led that backfield. Again, terrible at doing so. 2.8 yards a carry, 11 carries for 31 yards. Mike Davis um, plotted along the same way. Yeah, only had two carries on the backfield. Uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, again, doing his thing. Uh, Michael Carter, Brees Hall. You know, Michael Carter <coughs> uh, had a good game. Uh, Brees Hall did have, like, I believe, 12, uh, 10 targets um, in the receiving game. Elijah Moore is my question. I thought that guy was going to really make a second-year uh, leap. Um don't want to put too much emphasis on it because Joe Flacco was his quarterback. Um, but only seven targets, five uh, receptions for 49 yards. Just a guy that, you know, I had high hopes on. So we'll see wh- how he moves uh, going forward. That's what I have in that game. Um, commanders and Jacksonville. Uh, commanders take over in the second half, as far as I know here. Um, 28-22, which is kind of a weird score. Uh, Wentz has four touchdowns, and um, and Jacksonville looks like a competent team now that they got rid of Urban Meyer. Weird, weird concept. Uh, with that being said, let's talk about Christian Kerr for a minute. They uh, they pulled this guy up in the offseason. season. Gave um, him a lot of money. They did, and people, uh, you know, felt like you know he didn't deserve it because he was like the third option. 
uh, in Arizona last year. But the dude came and balled out week one. 12 targets, 6 receptions, 117 yards. The only thing he didn't do was get in the end zone. Um, so uh, we'll see how that uh, plays out moving forward. But uh, good uh, opening day game for him. Uh, my one takeaway from the Jacksonville side is the running back situation. So James Robinson, <clears throat> Travis Etienne. Etienne was a enigma. fourth, fifth round draft pick somewhere around that range ADP maybe even sixth round uh, James Robinson was going undrafted uh, James Robinson was a stud when he had time uh, I wouldn't say it was last year maybe the year before um, he was a waiver wire superstar came on and probably led some people to you know close to fantasy championships I believe he got injured later on in that season but um, he had 11 carries for 66 yards. He he basically dominated touches. I know ETN was getting a lot of the passing downs, but uh, that could be an even split. And Robinson is definitely, for anyone that got him later in the drafts, a, a steal at this point. I, I definitely agree. To piggyback, though, for a second, Travis Etienne only had four carries, but he did have 47 yards, so averaging 11.8 yards a carry. So he showed that burst. Uh, but, again, I think he's going to be more um, of that scat back. I'm curious to see if he's going to be using the receiving game a little bit more than he was uh, week one. And the flip side, same thing happened for Antonio Gibson. Kind of got his roll back, you know, uh, unfortunately due to um, – a shooting to one of his teammates um, who actually is off crutches and doing well. Uh, so we'll see how long the leash is for Antonio Gibson. But he came and balled out, uh, got his job back, and did the most with it. 14 carries, 58 yards, and then 7 receptions for 72 yards uh, through the air. So showed uh, off what we all thought he could be. We'll see um, how that plays out moving forward. Um, Colts and Texans, which is another I, – I just – weird game um Colts missed a field goal in overtime uh Blankenship missed missed the the 40 something yarder um he gets cut today he'll be looking for a job it's just it was just a very weird game we talked about this off the air but we're we're not in survivor this this year but if we were we probably both would have picked the Colts and we both would have lost and been out so um it ends in a tie 20 to 20 um Matt Ryan's first game with Indy he puts up, you know, Matt Ryan numbers. Matt Ryan usually pretty quietly puts up numbers every single year, and he's probably going to continue to do the same. Um, the Colts' offense looked like shit for three quarters. <clears throat> uh, fourth quarter comes, they put up 17 points. You know, Taylor finally gets in the end zone. Pittman gets in the end zone. And, um, you know, they look like they're on their way to, to securing a victory and just overall a mess at the end of the game. The missed kick and... The Texans somehow pull out the tie. Um, I, I'm not I'm not familiar a ton with Houston. I do know Damian Pierce was going very very early. He didn't play that well. Um, Rex Burkhead played a ton of snaps ahead of him, so that's going to be interesting to see moving forward. Even though Rex is good for you know two or three weeks and then he'll be injured again, but um, yeah, that's going to be interesting uh, backfield mess that they have going on in Houston. I will say that uh, Houston is a little bit more competent. People give them credit for Davis Mills again, uh, another second-year uh, quarterback, uh, having had a pretty good game. Um, you know, uh, 240 through the air, two touchdowns, no interceptions. No um, you know, uh, Brandon Cooks. 
still the guy. Um, thought Nico Collins might have a bigger game now that he's healthy. Only three targets, two for 26. But Brandon Cooks, you know, um, gobbled up all all the targets and did the most with uh, the targets he received. Seven receptions, 82 yards. And then O.J. Howard, uh, waiver wire, you know, wonder they picked him up. He got two receptions and made the most of them. 38 yards, two TDs. So um, we'll see uh, if his usage uh, goes up uh, next week. Um, <clears throat> Giants, Titans. Giants pull out a victory towards the end. They were scoreless in the first half. Uh, come back with 21 in the second half. Looked, I would say, good. Um, you know, at least above average overall. Uh, neither of us were high on Tennessee going into the season. Neither of us are high on Tannehill. Um, Henry looked pedestrian. As as Derrick Henry could, I guess, coming off of the injury. <coughs> Saquon looked like two years ago Saquon Barkley. He was unbelievable. Um, led them pretty much to the victory. I won't say single-handedly, but their defense played, you know, played pretty well as well. But um, to open up with a road victory, it's the first time in four years that the Giants have been uh, over 500 and had a winning record. Four seasons. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. Yeah, my takeaway is, again, Saquon Barker is probably the biggest takeaway of the week. I mean, dude just balled out. 9.1 yards a carry, had a touchdown, 164 yards, got all the work, pretty much had the game-winning play. Um, and then on the flip side of the ball, uh, you know, Kyle Phillips is a guy that, you know, uh, on no one's radar could potentially be one of those guys you throw in uh, as a dart on your waiver wire. Six receptions, 66 yards, led the team in targets. He's been like, you know, uh, one of the top guys throughout camp, you know, excellent route runner. Uh, we talked about Don Trell Hilliard earlier, uh, getting some burn in uh, the uh, receiving game. Three receptions, 61 yards, two TDs, uh, and this clear backup to Derrick Henry. And then lastly, I just want to talk about Kadarius Tony. Like, get on the field. What's up with this dude? Like, I just don't understand. He comes in for, you know, a couple plays, and he there he's explosive, but then goes back out. I don't know if he just can't learn the playbook or what the case is with this dude. 12% of the snaps. But he just needs to figure out how to get on the field because when he does, he's electric. Um, shout out Kenny Galladay, who is Anakin? straight up bank robbing the entire NFL as the, I believe he's the highest paid receiver this year in cash. Uh, two, two catches for 22 yards on two targets. Um, Killing it. That is just un, unbelievable from the highest paid. I mean, I'm just not really positive who paid that guy, but uh, he's probably fired. Uh, Vikings and Packers. Uh, Vikings pretty much dominate from jump. Um, Rodgers looked just defeated yeah he just looked defeated he looked old um he he still accurate as ever he was hanging on to the ball a ton a lot of the sacks i would say were probably on him um unfortunately minnesota was getting after him fairly well uh cousins looked good dalvin cook looked good justin jefferson was on another level um overall minnesota Looked really good, but from a pass rush perspective, I mean, Rodgers didn't have a ton of time. No Bakhtiari uh, definitely doesn't help. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon didn't have a ton of running room. They still both played okay uh, from a stats perspective, but um, no Lazard. I mean, Rodgers was just handcuffed in this game. Christian Rod, uh, excuse me, Christian 
Watson uh, with the drop. I believe Brutal. it was going to be a 75-yard touchdown. Um, he still came back and played some snaps. He looked okay. I think moving forward, he will play into the into the offense. Um, yeah, where out thou, Romeo? Someone needs to step up on offense as the top wide receiver, and they need to do so in a hurry or Green Bay is going to be I mean, even if they get Lazard back, I'm not sure how good Alan Lazard is to be a number one anyways. So it's going to have to be one of the rookies to step up and, and hopefully be that guy. I mean, Watson looked fast. Plain and simple. No, the double move was great. He just needs to catch the ball. Exactly. Um, Dylan had a good game, though. He re- led the team in uh, targets, um, which is wild because you would think that that would be Aaron Jones. So uh, 10 carries, 45 yards, and a TD on the ground, and then five receptions, 46 yards through the air. So a good game for Dylan. If there is a takeaway uh, on a positive side from Green Bay, that would probably be the only one. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Chiefs-Cardinals, the Chiefs were... Unstoppable juggernaut again. Mahomes, uh, 30 for 39, five TDs. Kelsey was again unguardable, just pretty much open in between that eight to 15 yard window every single play. Um, the Chiefs could have scored 60 points if they had to. Uh, the Cardinals did not put up a fight in any capacity. They scored 14, I think, in the fourth quarter. Um, they just did not look good. Kyler Murray is another one that is. He got paid. I wouldn't have paid him what they paid him, but he got paid um, from a stats perspective. I mean, n- no turnovers unless he had a fumble. I'm not positive, but I don't. I don't. I don't think he did. Um, no, no interceptions. Two touchdowns. You know, a buck ninety-three through the air, twenty-nine on the ground. Uh, Marquise Brown catching the the one touchdown for him. You know, they just looked. They looked outmatched. Uh, Kansas City just looked much better. And in a blowout, it's tough to say, you know, who had snap shares and, and that type of stuff. But from a Kansas City perspective, Pacheco looked good uh, in the time that he was playing. He was, you know, five yards of carry, something along those lines. Uh, CEH had two touchdowns, uh, one on the shovel pass. But, you know, he's getting in the end zone. Um I mean, Mahomes could just do whatever he wanted. There was he he was moving right down the field. He might have been the best player to play football uh, uh, in Week One. He was just unbelievable. I mean, nearly perfect. I felt like every time he got the ball, he went right down and scored five touchdowns, zero interceptions, 360 yards, just complete stud. Um, they're gonna be tough. Uh, in Arizona, they got they got to figure out an identity, and Kyler needs to step his game up. Uh, Greg Dortch is the leading receiver for Arizona. I'm not going to lie. I don't even know what that is. Tough division, um, especially now that they're 0-1. You know, you start off with a loss, then you, you, you start getting into the division games where, you know, the San Fran, um, you know, f- believe it or not, I mean, Seattle looks competent and will probably put up a, a fight, especially at home. Um, so they're going to have no easy games in the division. They're, they're, they're going to be in a tough spot um, in the NFC. And uh, it's probably a make-or-break year for the coach. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Chargers, Raiders. Chargers dominated the first half. And then second half, the Raiders, wouldn't say dominated, but definitely came back. Uh, Herbert looked good. Carr, 
hit or miss. He had overall, he had decent numbers, but 22 for 37 is not going to get it done. Three interceptions, too. Yeah, Renfro wasn't targeted that much. Adams was targeted a whole bunch. Um, Waller played pretty well. A good second half. Um, the run game looked looked okay. The Chargers, again, we, we touched on this before. Eckler wasn't there um, a, a ton. I think the Raiders did a good job to take him away. Um, Chargers won. They were without J.C. Jackson on defense. Getting him back is going to be huge. Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, though, that combination, it was they were disrupting. They're insane. Uh, that offense all day. Uh, they're they're up there uh, with one of my favorite defenses uh, before the season started. We'll see how it pans out when they get Jackson back. But Herbert's another one. You know, just like Mahomes, he is just on another level. The throw uh, that he had, I'm not even sure who it was to, but it was a crossing route. He was the Keenan Allen. That was he wasn't even open. It just happened to hit him in the hands. It was the most perfectly thrown ball. <coughs> was insane. Yeah, he's, insane. He's he's quite impressive. So we'll see what they they have moving forward. But, but. again, that division's going to be that division's just going to be tough. There's no easy games there. So the Raiders are already you know kind of in a hole with a division loss. It's it's only going to get worse for them. Um, Sunday night football was Tampa and Dallas. TB was a disaster. Uh, losing Dak to an injury. It, that didn't matter whether they lost Dak to an injury or not because they just they were anemic on offense. Um, Brady didn't have to do much. Fournette played really really well. The offensive line looked pretty good. I yeah, like considering Brady, their injuries, man, I, they played great. I mean, I felt like Brady got rid of the ball pretty quick, but also, it, it, you know, with some of the play action plays that he that he had, he had he still had time. Um, Mike Evans did Mike Evans things and. Uh, the one takeaway from the game that, after the fact, was uh, Leonard Fournette blew up Micah Parsons on a blitz. And then Micah Parsons took to Twitter, and then Leonard Fournette responded with a crying Jordan face that was pretty to Micah Parsons. And uh, Micah Parsons was supposed to show up for first take today um, to join, excuse me, not first take, um, Skip and, uh, and Shannon. Undisputed? Undisputed. Whatever it is. Uh, he didn't show up. He was nowhere to be found. They tried to reach out to him. He, it, yeah. Von Miller tweeted about that, that 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 hit had to be taken out of the NFL. <coughs> I mean, it's part of the game. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, either way, nothing to take away. Uh, Michael Parsons was absolutely probably the only bright spot to uh, the Cowboys um, on Sunday. But, again, Leonard Fournette was a complete stud. Mike Evans doing Mike Evans things like Nick said earlier. Julio Jones was a, uh, was a bright spot. Looked good, moving. It could be for one game. Who knows? Uh, Chris Godwin probably shouldn't have played. Did so anyways. He's out uh, uh, with a hamstring injury. So we'll see, you know, uh, Russell Gage's uptick uh, in usage moving forward as well as Julio. Um, but uh, good to see Julio out there moving like the old Julio. Uh, Shout out Michael Parsons. If you want to um, if you want to get out of Dallas, just ask for a trade. I'm sure Bill would love to have you in New England. And I'll have your jersey the day you're traded. Uh, finally, Monday Night Football, which I, I don't know if there's there's wild games all weekend. This was <laughs> one of the weirder games I've, I've watched the whole entire weekend maybe in my life. Uh, Seattle wins 17-16 over Denver. Russell Wilson's homecoming is spoiled. He gets booed. <clears throat> Denver 
has the ball at the end of the game. I think it was one eleven left. Three timeouts. Three timeouts. Left. They run one play down to thirty seconds and then kick a sixty-three yard field goal. That was no good. Sixty-four yard field goal. Excuse me. Um, McManus takes to Twitter afterwards and says that he has to hit the field goal. That that was actually his spot that he wanted to kick from. Um, the coach was a Hackett from Denver and then also took timeouts after they missed the kick which was the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. And then he came out today and said, looking back on it, that he should have went for it on fourth and five and not kicked the field goal. Oh, you think you pay your quarterback to come to uh, to Denver and then you don't let him do what he's paid to do? Uh, just an odd set of circumstances. Uh, the Broncos and Cincinnati, I felt like, just tried to lose games this week and, and doing so did. Um, uh Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy got going way too late. Jerry Judy did have a, a missed tackle happen, so his uh, his stats uh, look a little bit uh, better than I think they actually yeah, appeared the on the field. Yeah, 67-yard touchdowns. Um, Javante Williams looked pretty good on the ground, but so did Melvin Gordon, as usual. Rashad Penny didn't have a bad game, especially going against a, a pretty uh, stout D. Same thing with DK Metcalf, got a bunch of targets. Uh, decent amount of receptions, just couldn't really get that home run hit that he's used to getting. Uh, we'll see what his value is uh, moving forward. Um, really no other takeaways. There was the most random names of tight ends that I've ever seen in my life in this game. The first half, Andrew Beck had two catches. One of them looked like Randy Moss. Uh, Colby Parkinson from Seattle had a catch. That was awesome. Will Disley had a touchdown. Opening touchdown, I believe. Just these second and third tight ends that nobody has on a single fantasy roster all looked unbelievable. (coughs) And then the one tight end, or the two tight ends, I should say, that people probably did own, Albert O and Noah Fant. Albert O decent game nothing crazy five for 33 no offense at this point probably droppable unfortunately um very very late round tight end if he was drafted but he looked promising you know a year ago two years ago and was a you know key cog in the trade i guess that that got wilson um he just didn't play that much he had four targets and i think he had less than a 30 percent snap share i mean they played three tight ends pretty much the whole game so um seattle Looking good with Gino was yeah he looked good he looked not confident. something anyone saw coming no uh, myself included so kudos to him for uh, going out and balling out that opening drive he stepped in he took some hits he played well um, didn't get flustered I mean didn't play perfect by any means but again uh, Denver's defense is no joke so um, we'll see so um, week two we won't cover every single game here um, just some games that that I was looking at um, previous to um, that I will probably be looking at to bet moving forward next week. Um, The Thursday night game is the Chargers at KC. Um, The line is Kansas City minus four. The Chargers come in without Keenan Allen on a short week. Kansas City looked like, you know, world beaters. Um, I don't see Kansas City losing this game, um, so this is probably a square bet by me, but Kansas City minus four sounds good to me in Arrowhead. Um, I think it could be a high-scoring game. The over-under is 54, but 
again, I just I don't see Kansas City losing. Maybe it's a field goal game, but um, I would I guess I would have to lay the four points there. Um, another game that again I think is going to be an interesting game, but another division game. But Tampa Bay at New Orleans. Um, New Orleans has Tom Brady's number. Just plain and simple. Their defense plays well against Tom Brady. They play really, really well against Mike Evans. Uh, Lattimore shuts Mike Evans down. He has a few touchdowns against him, but overall, I think Evans is down you know, three catches a game, something like that, like 40 yards uh, that he averages against Lattimore. Tampa Bay is favored on the road. Um, I would... I would take the Saints here, getting the points. Um, I think it's going to be a kind of a low-scoring game. I don't see either offense, you know, beating up on the either defense there. Um, so I, I, I think I would take the points there and take the Saints in a division game. And then lastly, and this is just mere merely because I am so disgusted with the Patriots, but New England is at Pittsburgh. Um, and New England is favored. I don't understand how you could favor New England on the road right now against anyone after the way they, they looked on Sunday. I'm not going to lie. Everyone talked about Houston, Seattle, um, <coughs> Chicago, all these teams being the worst team in the NFL. And listen, I, I, I love to be biased because I'm a Pats fan, but we might have been the worst-looking team in the NFL last week. So. Them and Dallas. Um, I don't know, man. We're, I mean, Dallas didn't have a touchdown, so, I mean, they're up there, but we did look terrible. So, I, I think the Steelers here, I, I I mean, I don't – they're home underdogs right now. They're 1-0. Um, I think the Steelers are able to, to hold down New England, especially if Mac is any sort of banged up with a back injury. I, I don't – in a bad offensive line. Is that who is the backup? Clear backup. I mean, Hoyer's still there. Hoyer's gonna be there till he's probably just dies on the field because Bill loves him. But I, I would assume they would play Hoyer. I, I don't. I don't know. I, I. That's just not. That's not an ideal situation for them. And then um, the last one of the week. Um, this is just strictly from my gut. Uh, the Bears at the Packers. Sunday Night Football, uh, Rodgers back at home against Chicago. Green Bay is 10-point favorites in the game. Um, I mean, they kick the shit out of Chicago every time they play them. Every single time they play them. I don't know when the last time that they've lost to Chicago. I I feel like they do that with the Vikings, too, when they just got spanked. So I take that with a grain of salt. However, I definitely agree. 10 points is a lot. 10 points is a lot, but... I just I just think Rodgers against Chicago is it, it's it's like it's it's just on he's the same it's going to be the same thing over and over again. I'm going to look at it again late Sunday night and say, "Wow, Green Bay put up 31 points and Chicago put up 10." And we're going to say it's the same old stuff. Chicago stinks. Green Bay's going to figure it out type of thing. Um, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> maybe I'm wrong, but um, you know, Green Bay minus 10, I would take that. Again, just merely betting on the quarterback, beating the team that he beats in the division every single year. 
Um, but there are some other interesting games too. Vikings at the Eagles Monday night is yeah, an definitely. awesome, awesome, awesome game. Um, uh, Falcons at the Rams, even though the Rams are ten point favorites, I think it's the Falcons are going to put up a good game against them. I think the Falcons are going to be in a bunch of games. Um, I don't think they'll, you know, win that game by any means, but the Rams look shaky and Atlanta's going to be fun to watch. So that'll be an interesting game. Um, Colts play at the Jaguars. They, uh, I'll tell you what, Cincinnati versus the Cowboys, seven and a half. I know it's, you know, a little more than a touchdown, but the, the no Dak Bengals are going to be pissed that they lost that week one. Um, they they could just blow the Cowboys out of the water by indoors. No weather to be worried about. It's gonna be a track meet for them. You know their their receivers and mixing on turf indoors is gonna be um, yeah it's gonna be interesting to watch. They could put up a ton of points there. Ton of points. Um, so yeah, so those will be uh, those will be my my four from from this week. So I would take KC, uh, the Saints, the Steelers, and Green Bay. Um, all taking and, and laying the points there. Um, that was uh, that was a ton of uh, a, a ton of information, a ton of stuff that we went over. Um, obviously, our first time recording. I think it was the second time we hit record. Maybe maybe third time that we hit record. Um, how do you think we did? Uh, honestly, uh, it went pretty smooth. It's pretty easy talking about something you have so much passion for, um, you know, being in so many leagues. And again, this is something that we do regardless if there's a microphone here or not. So uh, I'm sure there's things that, you know, we need to hash out, obviously, to our audience. Please give us feedback, things that we can work on, things that could be better. But all, overall, I, I had a blast. Um, went way over the time that we initially said. Yep. Um, but uh, I had a blast doing it. So hopefully you guys uh, enjoyed it as well. Uh, curious to, to see how everybody feels about some of the hot topics we did speak about. We're definitely going to probably, you know, listen back on it and think that we went over certain things too long or some things too short, but um, we would appreciate any feedback. Again, the release schedule, we're going to try to get this out for Wednesday mornings. Um, anything that we can do better, anything that, we, you know, you want to hear more of, less of, that type of stuff would be, you know, much, much, much appreciated. Uh, we're going to get this out on Twitter, Facebook, and pretty much all the socials. Um, yeah, where can you up. find us, Nick? That, that's a, a big thing. Where can where can they find this content? Um, so on Facebook, where two Nicks talk sports um, page, where you can like there. The uh, podcast will be will be linked on Facebook. Um, we're going to throw it up on Twitter. We're at two Nicks talk sports on Twitter. Um, we're sticking audio at the at the moment, uh, but if if and when we get some videos up, we're going to be on YouTube and our YouTube page is again two Knicks Talk Sports um, on IG. No, no, uh, no spaces. Two Knicks at two Knicks Talk Sports. Um, we'll have the link up for for the podcast up on everything, uh, and then once we get that out, probably our personals, uh, socials as well. We'll you know try to circulate um, among our, our personal network as well. But we appreciate uh, we appreciate you listening, and uh, you know we'll we'll take it away again next week. Anything before we sign off? Peace out. Take care.